This is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the Data Lab on For Frequency Safe. Joining me as he does each and every week to go over some of the stuff that we're crunching through the Data Lab. He's the Professor John Bush. John, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dennis. It's starting to get a little serious here. Uh, week six coming, the bye weeks, injuries. <sighs> it's raining down upon us. This is my favorite time of the fantasy football year when the bye weeks begin. Oh my goodness. When the bye weeks begin, this is where a good player has an edge over an average player. And I don't mean players on the field. I'm talking about fantasy team managers. Last year, I had a couple of teams where I was one in four coming into bye weeks, but good management i went on a six game winning streak um in this time of the year because when you get into the bye weeks it takes a little more to manage your team and to pick out the matchups and to understand the data and that is where good fantasy managers have an advantage over the bad because they have either planned their teams out better or they can adapt and and do okay. And it's whether you have the attitude, hey, I want to even out my bye week risk, or do like I do. I say, give me one bad bye week to survive. I'll even have some empty starting positions, and I'll take the loss in one week early in bye week, and then I've got my guys while everybody else is down one or two players. And that has given me an advantage during the bye weeks. And every once in a while, you get lucky and you pick up the right guys without sacrificing the good parts of your team. And you grab a win against the, you know, the the competition when you're weak. And that is why I love this bye week season, because you do have a chance to make some big moves in fantasy football. I think honesty would be a good time because five weeks in, people think they understand what they probably don't about players. So I would think dynasty, this is the time to scoop up underperforming players that have a longevity to them and probably get rid of better players that probably will be having issues down the road, maybe a little bit older, longer than the tooth, uh, that kind of thing. So I don't play Dynasty, but one or two uh, leagues and not very good at it. So that's why I don't play it. Uh, My diary says don't, so I don't. Uh, But I would think trading has some value. And I think uh, we're starting to see just a little bit of some of these rookies uh, might be ascending forward, certainly in Seattle. Uh, the guy that you told me about in Chicago, I think he actually scored uh, Jones uh, last week. Uh, I think there's some others that are starting to make some moves a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I, I like your draft strategy of late getting ascending rookies, and we're going to start seeing that, and some people are going to be called off guard and their teams will get stale really quick. And, and as you say, good players 
uh, drafted for the whole season, not for week one. Yeah, and that's so, exactly yeah. it. And, and Deion Jackson with Indy, you know, getting that advantage, everybody was like, oh, it's Naeem Hines, it's this guy, it's that guy. It's like, no, it's Deion Jackson. I don't care if he hasn't been active. I don't care if he hasn't been getting any snaps. He's the guy that's going to end up being the next man up. In Pittsburgh, we're starting to see Jalen Warren become the next guy up. And this is why in dynasty drafts, I will overpay for a rookie running back or a rookie wide receiver even if I think there's a possibility that they could grow into some volume if there are injuries. So on almost all of the fantasy teams where I have Rashad Penny, in Dynasty, I grabbed KW3, Kenny Walker 3, because I knew that there was the odds that Penny might have another one of his soft tissue injuries. Don't talk about this one, though, in the case of injury-prone. The man broke a leg. Anybody who takes the force of a hit wrong in the NFL could break a leg. This wasn't that he was injury-prone. So I was right for all the wrong reasons, but you've heard me preach about the backup and the backup to the backup ever since we started our podcast. And this is why in Dynasty you want to own as many backups and backups to the backup. Give me as many running backs that I can fit on a roster because when injury time comes, when bye weeks come, guys will get an opportunity and the good ones you can just plug them into the lineup. I had a lot of Deion Jackson just sitting on taxi squads, and most of them came off to play last week in a lot of my leagues because I knew while there was a risk to it, he could have thrown up a three-burger or even a zero-burger. He got the opportunity, and then the concussion protocol ended up helping him more because of Naeem Hines going out, as we predicted, the week before, that concussions would become a bigger thing. But I want to talk a little bit today about analytics because I see such lousy analytics out there on ESPN's NFL Live. And usually I love that show and I love all of the analysis that they give. But all of these analysts were saying, yeah, the Raiders did the right thing by going for two points with four minutes left against the Chiefs because they didn't feel like they could beat the Chiefs. They were up 17 to nothing against the Chiefs, first of all, at the beginning of that game. So they should have realized they can play with the Chiefs. Number two is, even if you make that two-point conversion, you now have a one-point lead. And if you fear Mahomes, you've now given him four minutes and 20 seconds to come down and beat you. And he can beat you with a field goal. He doesn't have to beat you with a touchdown. There was no advantage there. And when they show the analytics and they say 12% greater chance to win this game based on a two-point conversion being made versus the extra point being made, they forgot one fact. It's tougher to convert that two-point conversion. So if you don't work that into the mix, which they did not in their analytics, it's bad analytics. And I think you and I were discussing any kind of decision like that is usually not based on one variable. 
it's a what I call what in science a system problem, right? We're trying to solve in biology how do we clean up an environment, you know, a, a whole ecosystem, you know. There's not one thing to do. Okay, let's worry about the fish. Let's worry about the soil. Let's worry about the water, the land. It is a lot of different components that are needed to come in and be, let's say, weeded through. If you're kind of the gardening uh, aspect, if you're going through data science, and you need to put that together, and then of the variables you're, you're trying to mess with, are they related to each other? And I talked about in science, if we're trying to figure something out, we don't want 10 shades of the same thing. We we want variables that are as far unrelated as possible to come into the mix, you know, to stir in uh, into your gumbo, as it were, and, and make it that much better. And I have no clue how they make those decisions. I would be worried about the time. How good are the Chiefs in, say, points per second? In other words, if you give them four minutes, what is that expectation? That would be something that I would want to worry about. And I bet you points per second for Kansas City was not even discussed, even though it is the number two best points per second team in the league right now. Guess who they're behind? Buffalo. And they're almost right on top of each other by just that one piece of data that I think you and I are going to discuss here in just a second. So where's that figure? I would, yeah, if they were against Houston, who has one of the worst points per second, like 30 second in the league, it probably didn't matter what they did. But with the Chiefs, and they're already uh, four or five weeks of superior efficiency, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, and here's the thing. You're in no better shape being up by one nope. versus tied. If you're tied and you win the coin flip and you drive on them and you score the touchdown, you got them beat as well. So you have no better situation because four minutes for Mahomes to only have to go down and get a field goal did we forget that he did it in 13 seconds against Buffalo last year in the playoffs? This is a, a very quick strike offense. You didn't help yourself. So the analytics are not team specific. The analytics are not time specific. And then the analytics that they showed didn't factor in the difficulty of converting a two-pointer versus just yeah, getting what's that the average point? success rate of two points it's versus about, yeah i don't know that but that would be the first thing i would want to know about traditionally it's in that 33 to 40 percent range and again that's different by team different I'm teams sure are a lot worse at the two-point conversion than other teams and it's also some defenses give up more two-point conversions than others None of those things were factored into the analytics. And I know that because they said that right in there. Here's the analytics from all across the league. Here's the analytics from all across the league, all times remaining in a game. 
if there was 20 seconds or 40 seconds left, that's a better decision than with four minutes and 20 seconds left. Didn't do you any good. And, and I just don't understand bad analytics. But that leads me to the point that when you check out the science of fantasy football and you check out the professor's data, you can always count on some really good <laughs> analytics. And you've got a treat for people when yeah. it comes to offensive efficiencies. Yeah. So this will be in my snaps report that I'm hoping uh, can get out. I don't know, tomorrow, Friday, sometime. Just just be looking for it. Uh, and so what I, f- I have two things I'm looking at. Points per second score. This is not PPR the point. This is real football game points, touchdowns, field goals, safeties. And yards per game. And then I combined those two in a ratio, and I and I call that yards per game versus points per second efficiency, right? I mean, I don't know what, you know, I'm just telling you what I call it. So long story short, I figured that out, and I color-code it in the top and the bottom of the league and then sort it. And I end up, I'm going to give you a table that's going to show you the top and the bottom teams. And if I was doing daily fantasy, if I was doing some lineups and I had a tie situation or two close players, you know, uh, if it was a player from Houston versus Buffalo, I would go to Buffalo, right? My metro, I mean, I know everybody, we all know that. What about Houston versus, um, let's see, Cincinnati? Oh, well, Burrow. Okay. Actually, Cincinnati is one of the worst. They put up a lot of yards, but they don't score what they should. So you can see in this table that there are a lot of teams that put some yards out there, but they don't deliver the points. And there are a lot of people that put points up, but don't deliver the yard. Look at and Dennis is seeing this Pittsburgh and the Rams uh, don't deliver the points and they don't deliver the yards. But look at Washington, lots of yardage and Green Bay, but not a lot of points. So you need to kind of balance all that together. And in my uh, efficiency metric, hey, yeah, that's my dog. Uh, is trying to at least look at these and compare them. And so that's what I've done. And my dog, he's happy about that. And and if you take this data, this one data point, and you combine it in a given week with defense against position points, and the way I would use it, Professor, and this is just kind of a first snapshot look at this data, I would look at players and I'd say, okay, let me look at the top three or the top five teams in efficiency. Do I have players that are eligible to play for me from those teams? Now, once I have that subset of four or five players, whatever it is, now I look at defense against position to make that final decision between the top guys. If I've got nobody in that group, I'm going to just solely go off of defense against position. I'm going to default to the matchup data 
when it comes to picking these guys that are not obvious starters. And But this efficiency data should be the first sort for figuring out, okay, I got five or six guys that appear to be fairly equal. How do they rate as far as their team's efficiency in actually scoring points this year? And then once you have that, now how does this compare against the defense, against the position? I feel like doing that in a two-tier setup, I am going to make both sets of data more powerful. Well, you know, the past is the past, right? So just be aware what they say on the, the stock market stuff. Past doesn't mean you make money in the future, but that's all we got unless you got a time machine. So this is a <laughs> beginning and that's where the art comes in. But you got to you got to have the right formulation, the analytics of your paint, right? You got to understand the canvas. You got to understand the sheep's ha- uh, hairbrush or a donkey brush. You know, come on. You've got to use analytics, but there is an art to this. And that's what I've been trying to kind of master coming from the analytics to try to be a lot more broad and apply that art. Art of the lineup, maybe that's a book we should put out, the art of the fantasy football lineup, because that, a lot of people, it's like they fold their 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 team folds like a cheap suitcase, just flips back up, and it's like, man, how come I didn't figure this out? And every week, they could have, would have, man, I should have done that. I, and they spend too much time. It's done, folks. Move on. As long as you develop your process and keep your diary and see, does this work for you? It's working for me. I think Dennis is going to give it a try. But keep your diary, okay? It may not, it may be just a waste of time, but you don't know that. And, you know, any site, not just our metrics, but others, I would just say, hey, is it helping me? And that's what you need to do. And of course, keep your, you know, the dynasty, redraft, daily fantasy, you know, you know, keep your diary correct. You know, you got to have categories. You just can't throw it all together like across the league metrics for two-point conversions. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, you just muddle, muddle in the water there and caution yourself. And here's where I see this data being so valuable is I, again, it's from my weather forecasting background where I see the possibilities, how to layer these things together because with a hurricane forecast, okay, you probably heard the term spaghetti model plot where they take all of the different models, they put it on one chart overlaying with different colors and it looks like a bowl of spaghetti. The whole purpose of that is to build in where the level of uncertainty is with a storm. If you're looking at seven or eight different models and those seven or eight different models are clued in to about a 25 mile area along the coast, I'm feeling really good. But if you have another storm where the uncertainty spread of those seven top models are 300 miles, then you're just guessing. It's the same way in fantasy football. If I'm using my best 10 and I'm using my consistency data as the first guess to get to a list of playable players, 
Then I take a look at efficiency of scoring, and then I look at defense against position. Now I've got three almost like go and no-go. You know, you're almost like at NASA, and you're asking, you know, hey, Fido, go or no-go? You know, hey, guidance, go or no-go? You're asking all these different things, and if I get a thumbs up on the same player on all three sets of analytic data that I'm looking at, and they've already made the contenders list. It's like handicapping a horse race. You get your contenders based on class and speed. Now you've got your four or five contenders. Now I look at jockey. I look at trainer. I look at pace handicapping. That's what you're doing in fantasy football by layering this data together. And the professor is doing all the work for us. So we don't have to do anything but enjoy and learn how to use the data to become winning fantasy football players. Winning. Oh, that's it. That, that's what we're trying to do. Sometimes I forget. Motto <laughs> so much. Yeah. So uh, anyway, check that out. And Les, I think we probably need to move to the Thursday uh, game. I will just say uh, my hashtag is I hate Thursday NFL games black. So that's my complete hashtag. So, you know, I'll hashtag everybody there with that. I don't like Thursday games. I'm not going to like Germany games, Mexico games, or London games. So, and I don't know where maybe we're playing in Australia next or in, the, I don't know, somewhere in the, some island somewhere. I don't know, Madagascar. I don't <laughs> like those games. So, uh, and for whatever reason, Thursday games are never satisfying, right? It's like uh, eating whipped cream but not having the pumpkin pie, just eating the whipped cream off of it. it look, I want the pumpkin pie first, and then whipped cream adds to the experience. And with Thursday, they just give you some old old rotten whipped cream, and, and you got to get the pie later Sunday. you got to hang around and trust us. Sunday will deliver the stuff then so i'm yeah. sad about thursday's game i almost feel like it's thursday and i'm at the diner and they say you know would you like the soup of the day and i say okay what are the choices they say we have two choices for soup of the day today we have salmonella noodle or we yeah. have cream of botulism which one do you yeah. want that's how uh, I feel salmonella. about Thursdays. Yeah, yeah. give me give me yeah, the salmonella. You don't, want, you don't want botulism, so we'll go with the salmonella. And uh, you know, you can you can limp through salmonella, but botulism, er, er, uh, it's yeah. a microbiologist had to answer those kind of questions. <laughs> and uh, there so, you go. Yeah, the answer is neither. But you know, if they're holding a gun to your head, okay, give me the salmonella noodles. Uh, so, uh, Dennis, this game is 38 points. Yeah. And, folks, anything below 40 is so rare and is just guaranteed to be a, a defensive struggle. And in this case, I'm concerned that there's not going to be a lot of offense, you know, lots of struggling as well. And uh, the Bears and the Commanders are not overly efficient as well. And they've been having lots of various issues in their player ranks. But the spread is only 
about a point. So they're thinking the Bears will somehow, by the when the, the last shot is over, the, they'll beat the commanders. But I say whoever's got the ball last has the opportunity to fumble it so the other team can run it in for a pick six and end the game. So usually you think the last team can score the touchdown, but I think it will be a fumble or something, and that will end the game. So, so this is a be bad. this is like uh, being at the horse yeah, race track, no. and you're seeing a non-winners of two five thousand dollar claiming race. So you're you're looking at the dregs of the earth here yeah. uh, that are just going to try to well, limp out of the gate. And so here's the trick on those: if there's a Elmer's tag on the horse's ear, don't bet them because the next stop is the glue factory. So, you know, that's, you know, that's a, a rule of thumb. You don't want to see Elsie the cow or whoever. Uh, you don't want to see that picture there for Elmer's glue. Uh, so Chicago figures to have uh, an opportunity in the passing if you look at adapts, the quarterback and the wide receivers, get ready. Is it Mooney's night? Okay. Cole Komet, mm, going to have to earn your play. And David Montgomery, it's not impossible, but it's a tough scenario. But, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for Mooney, uh, who's going to be on everybody's bench or on the waiver wire, to accidentally score. It probably his first touchdown of the season. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the defenses actually look pretty good for both of these. I could see people playing stream in Chicago or Washington because it's going to be lots of turnovers. Washington should uh, do okay with the quarterback. Wentz does have an opportunity, but it's wide receivers and tight ends. Logan Thomas, we're watching you, or Bates. Uh but it looks like the running backs. So the the new kid that was shot, uh, Robinson, was that? Is, yep. And Gibson. But if the quarterback can hit Kissick, maybe he could, you know, if I'm playing daily fantasy, maybe I, I, I throw him in the captain's seat. I don't know. I wouldn't play it. But for a dollar, okay, if I've got to gamble, folks, then it's worth 50 cents or a dollar. This is not at the, you do not go to the hundred dollar window at the sports book. You go to the 50 cent window, right? After you're selling the noodles, you go to the 50 cent window and bet on this game. Great <laughs> advice from the professor and head and out over. Back, can you you're speechless. <laughs> yeah, I am Absolutely. Speechless. Head on over to the yep. science of fantasy Check out all of the data from the professor, and you'll see all of the charts, all of the figures, and an explanation of what it all means from the professor this week. My best 10 updated for week five will also be coming soon. And head on over there and check out the science of fantasy football podcast while you're at it as well. And then hurry on back here next week on For Frequency Sake for another edition of the Data Lab. It's a work, folks. 